Welcome, Welcome to Simple Theology. Theology. Exploring Christian faith. You didn't get that right at all. In practice, from nope. a Christian Missionary Alliance perspective. <laughs> from an SBC perspective. <laughs> Welcome to Simple Theology, a podcast taking theology to everyday, everyday life. life by, how do we do it? Examining various doctrines, doctrines of the Christian faith. Of the Christian faith. Good thing you got that one right, Rick. I am Rick Romlick. And I'm Robert Kane. We're glad you're here today. We are. We are maybe, glad you're maybe here. Maybe it's morning, maybe it's afternoon, maybe it's evening. For us, it's 9.30 at night. Maybe 9.32. at night. Yep. Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, that, that's hey, true. Hey, do you know um, all the time zones, do you know what they're set off of? No, I don't. There's, a, there's one part of the world that everything is set off of. Sorry, I was reaching over there trying to get Neville to stop making noise. Uh, what is it? What is it, Rick? Have you ever heard of it? Is it UTC? Well, so everything's like plus or minus. Yeah, yeah. but what, what is UTC it's stand Greenwich, for? Greenwich, England. Really? And that's like, I don't know if you call it zero, but that's zero latitude. That's ground zero, patient and zero. No, zero latitude. Mm. And then each time zone, each latitude goes from there. Wow. That's where it began. Leave it to the Brits, you know, where Fascinating. at one point the sun never sat. Sat? Yeah, that's true. It doesn't have any knees. <laughs> <laughs> that was so cheesy. <laughs> yeah, anyway. How was your weekend, man? Um, I got to think about my It was good. It was kind of chill. Um, our boy Will is just getting over the pink eye. Mm. He's over it now, but he was just getting over it on the weekend, and we were able to kind of hang out at home and do a lot of organizing and cleaning and purging of our stuff. Which was good, man. I feel like we can always get rid of more stuff. Nice. We are, we are going through kick. something similar, just trying to get rid of as it's many w- things as we can. It's wild because there has to be like rhyme or reason to it. You just can't throw everything out. But two, I think just having like the process of hey, I don't need this. It's, it's creating clutter in my life and get rid of it. Getting rid of it has been so encouraging. Like it's mildly addicting. Hmm. So Rick has a new addiction. Yeah, purging. <laughs> nice. Um, yes. Yeah, how are you, buddy? It was okay. I mean, yeah, where you at? The weekend you was had, weekend was great. You hang out with Al all weekend. Yeah, me and how's Al? He's good. He's good per usual. You hear um, those Al Moeller rubs, but when he goes to Louisville, he him and Al share a room together. Yeah, gets kind of awkward, but his but we make it work. work. <laughs> 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 no, went down to went down to Louisville for some classes, a hermeneutics class, mm-hmm. and it was. One of the, my favorite lectures ever sitting through. So what we do is Friday, Saturday, it's like an all-day lecture. And it, it like I emailed my professor later. And, yeah, Ricky's point my dad's like brown-nosed. But I told him this no, beforehand. Like, yeah, that's not, so I, not safe. I love my systematic theology classes. I'm just type A personality. So like getting a framework mm-hmm. for understanding theology is really helpful for me. Um and this hermeneutics class was kind of a framework for approaching the text and understanding the text, and it was it was really helpful, and I really enjoyed it. So that was that was amazing. And then um, this morning, I wake up, getting ready to start the week, and spent like the first I don't know from probably about too much information six o'clock <laughs> until what? When did it finally? I don't know. Stop? I wasn't there. Ten o'clock. I just spent throwing Dang. up. Oh man. It was terrible. That's awful. So I have acid reflux, for those of you listening, wondering why I'm throwing up. Um, and it's pretty bad when it flares up. And I ate something over the past, like, 24 to 48 hours that did not sit well with me. And I woke up this morning, and for a solid few hours, it was 
like probably 10, 11 times throwing up. So What? Yeah. I mean, as, as eventually you just get to the point where you're just dry heaving, and then you take a drink of water, and then an hour later you throw all that water up. So, Gee, that sounds awful. Yeah, so right now I'm drinking some, what is it, Essentia? Yeah, what is it? Some kind of high fancy it's, water. Yeah, it's some water that my boss suggested because it's uh, high on the pH scale. And high on the pH scale means it's a base, so it'll balance out those those acidic, mm-hmm. all those acids that are in your stomach. So I've just been crushing this today and Dude, thanks, feeling boss. pretty good. Yeah. <sighs> that sounded really good. Oh, baby, it refreshing. is. Refreshing. Very refreshing. Oh, oh, side note. I mean, we were... I feel like we've been rambling on for like 10 minutes now. which is It's actually only been five. Boring. Well, it's so boring, it feels like 10. Okay. But I don't want to miss out by um, announcing that Robert Kane got a new job. Oh. Is, I think that deserves a round of applause. Well, well thank you. Uh, I mean, same company. It didn't quit or anything like that. But um, Rob is role. now running the company. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. It was like a little bit of, um, uh, have you seen or read the book, um, Mutiny on the Bounty? No. It's a classic. You should at least watch the movie. But that's kind of what happened. Is it similar to Ishmael? No. That book? No, that's a phenomenal book. But I've heard. Yeah. Mutiny on the Bounty is about a mutiny on the ship HMS Bounty. Okay. And I feel like that's what went down in your company. Like, you took some of the employees, kind of mounted a rebellion, overthrew the top dog, made yourself captain. I didn't overthrow anybody. Well, that's how the, you would the say The guy ahead of me got a promotion. Be... Oh, okay. <laughs> Never mind. Either way, you got a new job. Yeah, Rob, just quickly, because we're, oh, we're getting my. long-winded here. Just quickly, tell the listeners tantalizing news about your new job. It's just managing the office. Okay, so when you say that, one, you're devaluing the people you work for <laughs> and the people you're over. I'm just managing these peons. Tell you what. Certainly not trying to do either of those suffering things. suffering here, managing these idiots. Nope, it's... I'm very happy about it. You know what, Rob? You don't even appreciate the job. Forget yep, it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So now, now the listeners are all uh, be exercising their patience, For and real? they're well exercised. Patience is a virtue. And one of the best ways that patience, patience is a fruit is, of the spirit, baby, is developed. Yeah, it's a virtue. One of the best ways it's developed. It's also a fruit of the spirit. Yeah, you said. <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> Thought we were repeating ourselves. Patience is a virtue. <laughs> <laughs> And one of the best you know ways it is? it's developed is in marriage. Oh, nicely done. That was impressive. Did you not see that coming? I did not. What? Sorry. I was like a mile away. Dude, I've yeah. had a headache like okay, all drink day your essential because water I have not. Essential. Anyway, I've only hey, had one cup of coffee. We are talking today about marriage. So if you have stuck with us in this episode, which I guess you see the title, yeah. but we're finally getting to it. You guys saw it marriage. Coming. We're talking about marriage. Um, so a little background. Um, I have been married four times. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was really good. Thank Clever. You. Um, I have been married <laughs> since. I got married July first, twenty seventeen. So about a year and a half. So, so you've got a lot of wisdom to speak in on this. Oh, I. But if there's if if it's happened, I've been through it. In marriage, <laughs> let me tell you. Done a lot of living in that <laughs> year and a half. No. My wife and I, Candace, we've been married, like I said, a year and a half. We're pretty new into it. We do have a, a little guy. We were married for about a month and a half before we got pregnant. So, yeah. um, You guys are exciting. efficient. 
Why waste time, baby? <laughs> we can just waste money. <laughs> <laughs> Is that yeah. how you be your son, Reg? Jeez. No, that's not My goodness. Anyway, don't have kids until later in life, like three years, four years in their marriage. You're talking about Danielle and I. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand. Um, you guys, I, I clearly am married as well. We have a kiddo. But so. you guys are common law married, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't even. I don't even know what that is, but you don't know what that is. Is that where you live with the person long enough to where yeah. you're considered to be married? Yeah. Okay. But it doesn't exist anymore. I don't think. Oh really? Yeah. Oh wow. Anyway, we're talking about marriage. Rob, you've been married. You got married. What? Let me tell. I. You tell me when I got married. When was it? June. Yes, correct. Sixth. No, you're one day off. Is it ever? Is it fifth or seventh? You're one day. I'm gonna let you guess. Dang, girl. I'm gonna say seventh. You are June, correct. Yeah, June well 7th done. Of 2014. So Rob's going in on the fifth year in June. Yep. Of his marriage. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> Who is that? You've said that a couple times. Marriage is what brings us together. You don't know that? No. Princess Bride. Mm. Have you seen that? I think. You know the part within the, the, the one chapel? with Andre the Giant? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you made us watch that. Did I? I think so. Did you guys like it? I thought it was okay. Oh, man, we're losing so many listeners now. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't bad. It's just not one that I'm like, That's like a classic. ooh, Friday night, I got nothing to do. What do I want to do? Watch a movie. Okay, cool. Princess like, Bride? Princess Bride like, probably not like even cutting the top. Half of our generation and the generation before, most of the generation before us, that, they would pull out that movie and say, yeah, Princess Bride, we'll watch it again every mm, weekend. No, I beg to differ. Okay, what would you pull out Friday night? You're going to watch something. What is it? Easily one of the Lord of the Rings movies. I'm not even a Lord of the Rings nerd, but I, that, those would easily come before Princess Bride. Any of the Star Wars movies. Any of the Harry Potter movies. No, I disagree. Cause you disagree? With, no, yeah, because the problem with those movies is that's commitment. You can't just jump in like third movie in. You got to start from the beginning and work your way in. All right, Field of Dreams. Okay, I get behind that. Yeah. I get behind that. All right. So anyway, <clears throat> um, we've been married for going on five years. And so now we're going to talk about this topic, marriage. And collectively, we have less than seven <laughs> years of marriage. So it's a good thing that we... So uh, this is a problem, to be honest, though. As young guys in ministry... You can feel like you can't address a topic because you haven't lived it for long enough. Like as a as a youth pastor, I don't have students. I'm not, I don't. I mean, I don't have teenagers myself. Yeah. And until recently, I didn't have any kids. So the problem was, people. I felt like people were judging me. Like, oh, not that many people. But I feel like okay, I don't have kids. And I'm trying to tell them how to raise their kids or yeah. whatever. But the point is, I don't have to have lived through it to point to scripture and talk about it. And I don't have to have lived through it to have some wisdom about it. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, no, exactly. Now, that, I need to obviously approach it with a lot of humility. Exactly. That That's what I was going to I was gonna go to next, is that we collectively have less than seven years of experience in marriage. Yeah. However, like it, we're not doing this episode based off of our wisdom. Right. We're trying to point to the one with whom all wisdom lies. What are you looking at? Let's see our time. Oh, it's right there, man. We're at I like eleven and a half minutes. I can't see that. Okay, sorry. Are you are you are you already done? Yeah. Can we wrap this up? <laughs> are we almost done here? <laughs> I got stuff to do. Okay. Cool. So my wife needs me. Let's go with the definition here, Rick. You gonna read your definition or you? Yeah, we just got the book out. So yeah, like, you're, you're gonna read your definition. Then I'm gonna I'm gonna read the better one. Okay, my definition: is a covenant between one man and one woman before God for the rest of their earthly life. That's not bad. There's a lot of room for bring out there. bakers. Bakers. So here's I, what I wrote. Okay. <laughs> All right. And by me, I mean Greg Allison. <clears throat> he says, marriage, the joining together of a man and a woman 
in a monogamous covenant relationship. Marriage is a creation ordinance. God's explicit design is for the majority of human beings, not just believers, to be married. See Genesis 1.28. The two exceptions are singleness for those with the gift of celibacy. See 1 Corinthians 7.7. And those who make themselves eunuchs. Matthew 19.12. The purposes for marriage are creating a new family by uniting a man and woman as one flesh. See Genesis 2.24. Procreation. Genesis 1.28. Pleasure. Song of Songs. Comfort. 2 Samuel 12.24. And protection against immorality. 1 Corinthians 7. Verse 2 and verse 9. That's it. So, um, welcome to Simple Theology. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, we'll, A covenant between one man and one woman before God for the rest of their earthly life. There you go. And we should also say that a monogamous one. So monogamous meaning that it is between just t- two people who are committed to one another. So like a covenant between one man and one woman? Yeah, that like, would that would be pretty one cool. One man, one woman <laughs> between? <laughs> okay. I didn't see that part. But it's yes, that would, be, that would be a good way to put it. Cool. Yeah, so that is our definition. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's every time you drink it, like it gives it like the whole like throw like, like swash. And I'm doing that because you commented about it one time in an episode, so I'm intentionally doing it. Well, I'll try and keep it down. Thank you. Anyway, so what we see with marriage is that God created it in Genesis two. When He created Adam, He created Eve, and He noticed. Well, He created Adam, and then He noticed that it wasn't good for man to be alone, and so He took one of Adam's ribs, he made Eve, and um, it was bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, and it was a good companion for him. And so what, one of the main things that we want to get out of this is that marriage is, is a covenant that has been ordained by God, not necessarily the government or the environment that we live in, as we see in Genesis 2, and it's for this earthly life. And so there is, I mean, as nice as it is to think about going through the rest of eternity with your husband or your wife, it seems to be that Jesus doesn't allow for that in heaven. It's not, mm. maybe it's not necessarily that we won't know the individual, but he says in Matthew twenty-two thirty that for in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. Mm-hmm. So what all that entails, I don't know exactly. I don't right. know what it'll be like. I would, I would imagine that I'll recognize Danielle. Danielle will recognize me, and there may be a special relationship there. But there's not going to be a, a marriage, covenant there, right? In the same way that it is here on Earth. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, we talked about that. I just came up, that came up today, um, as I was working with some people and just talking about marriage. Like, well, we'll be married in heaven. I'm like, actually, well. Sorry to say this. We'll actually push push up the bridge of your glasses a little bit. <clears throat> well, actually. Roll up your sleeves. Yeah. No, but like it's hard when you find out that, especially when you get married, you're in love. Thinking about not being married in heaven is hard. But you have to remind people, Christ is all satisfying. He will be fully satisfying in heaven. Mm-hmm. And so there won't be like this, oh, I love heaven, but I just wish I was still married. Like that won't be a, a problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... Again, in the definition, I talk about how marriage is for one man and one woman. Genesis 2, 24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So a couple things there is that in the process of marriage, you do become one flesh. It's this um, blessing. Um, you physically, you become one flesh. 
Yeah, let's not get too. Uh, I'm not trying to get detailed or anything like that, Rick. Jeez, let's we already had an interesting, interesting let's moment in the last episode with you. Yeah, which, <laughs> that was totally out of context. Okay. <laughs> and you already said something but, earlier this episode, so let's just stop. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, the point. <laughs> the I'll point is. That. <laughs> um, yeah, you become one physically, and there's. I think there's a uniting in in just identity and who you are. It's just phenomenal thing that God has done. Um, but you are to leave like your your father and mother, not like forget you, but you become one. You become your own. Um, Matthew nineteen verse six says, "So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate." So this joining of things together. Um, it's it's not like it breaks apart or just quickly goes um, back to being two separate things again. It's one. It's for one man and one woman, not multiple. You know, polygamy ain't thi- a thing, a good thing. It totally is a thing. It it's is not a, thing. a good thing. Yeah. Right? Deuteronomy seventeen seventeen says, He shall not acquire many wives for himself, lest, he, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he acquire for himself excessive silver and gold. This idea of accumulating wives, like you accumulate wealth, um, both can steer your heart away. Obviously, in our culture, it's people get rich all the time. They don't have like several wives. However, they have a lot of mistresses, a lot of mm. sleeping with a lot of people, which you could argue isn't marriage, but has the same kind of uniting effect that Deuteronomy seventeen seventeen is talking about. And then finally, <clears throat> marriage sh- marriages should be equally yoked, right? Funny thing about this, when I was, for years, I mean, I think I was like 20 before I realized this, I always thought they were talking about <laughs> egg yolks. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know what equally yoked means, you know? And, and growing up on the farm, we always had like eggs from chickens and stuff, and some eggs were bigger than others, and like different yolks. I'm like, what's this mean? And then I realized it's it's more, it's still an agricultural term. It's talking about ox yoked together, like the thing that goes over their, their necks, so that they can pull together. And you don't put one that's huge and one that's small or two different kinds. You put the same kind together so they pull evenly. They pull straight ahead. And so the same way, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has right has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship uh, has light with darkness? So this idea that we are to be equal in our pursuit of Christ. And this is hard, but this is where we're really clear, like, it's not right for a believer to marry an unbeliever. Yeah. What about missionary dating? (laughs) I don't even know what that is. (laughs) So you probably run across this, being in youth ministry for years, no longer actually, but you probably have ran across this where someone's dating someone who's not a believer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're, oh, I'll, I'll bring them to the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. I'll share the gospel, and they'll change no. once they start dating me. Right. Totally, totally bad idea. Totally bad. Okay, so why? Well, one, because you're, they're, if your intention is to marry them, you can't save that person. You literally can't. That's Christ's work to do. Mm-hmm. So you're now putting your, it on your shoulders to bring them to salvation, which is A, heresy. Because you can't do it. It's impossible it. for you to do it. Super arrogant and prideful of mm-hmm. yourself. And then if you do end up getting married, you're now in sin. You yeah. committed a sin. Yep. So Because lot, you are unequally yoked. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Now, is it is it wrong to be married to an unbeliever if you're a believer? No, because you may have come to faith after you're married. Correct. Getting into that marriage, bad idea. 
so that's why I think it's it's important um, that we talk about how like you need to pursue those who are like you. And having having said that, there's also a maturity level thing. Like if you are, I think we talked about this maybe before, but if you're well along in your faith, marrying someone who who doesn't have the the same maturity. I don't mean they just came to Christ, but I mean their their hunger maybe isn't the same. Their desire for what their Christian life is going to look like isn't quite the same. Like you need to go through all that stuff, yeah. Because just saying, hey, we both have the label Christian. We both are Christians. Even if you're both genuine, isn't quite enough. I think you really need to work about make sure you're the right. Yeah, match. it's a huge. I mean, I'm not selling you guys anything that you don't already know. Like marriage is a massive deal, and in the Christian yeah. life. Aside from your decision to follow Christ, mm-hmm. it is the biggest decision you'll ever make in terms of yeah. who you spend the rest of your life with, who you co-labor with, who you, because ministry, your job, whatever it is that your life throws at you, there's going to be some really difficult days, and the right. person who knows you best and the person that you're going to be able to confide in the deepest is going to be your spouse mm-hmm. for those who are called to marriage. And that is a massive deal because it's in those moments that you need someone who points you back to the gospel, mm-hmm. not somebody who encourages you to pursue what the world tells you to pursue. So just just like you were saying, in terms of it's not just enough to say, okay, I'm a Christian. They say they're a Christian too. Like You need to, to delve a little bit deeper and make sure that this person has a similar understanding of what the gospel is. This person has a similar hunger, and and there are going to be seasons where people hunger a certain amount, uh, whether more or less. I'm not saying that they may be in a dry season, so you shouldn't marry them. I'm not saying that at all. But if there's a habitual pattern of this person over long stretches of time mm-hmm. not desiring their Savior, yeah, then that's something that you need to, to take into to consideration. Level. Yeah, yeah, or even yeah, it's once you get in those conversations. Side note: when you get in those conversations about like maturity and who's like really pursuing and who's a little more slow or callous it always gets a little nitpicky but you can tell when someone's genuinely not perfect now they don't struggle but they're serious about their walk with jesus you know what i mean yeah i think it's a safe just are they serious about it if they are they'll be in their word they'll be in community they'll be growing they'll be fruit yeah. to varying degrees but those things will be happening yeah absolutely and so, so back to this verse second corinthians 614, it's really important that you become equally yoked because you could end up in a marriage where you're the only believer. Mm-hmm. And if that happens, that's okay, um, but it's not ideal. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And there's a way out of that marriage. Hey. It's called divorce. <laughs> so divorce, good segue there. Good segue, not yeah. so good segue, but I see what you're doing. Yeah. Divorce, it should be noted, is not part of God's plan. And when we say God's plan, we mean like God's revealed will in his word for his people. So we see in Matthew 19, 6, so they're no longer two, but one flesh, which we're a kid on earlier. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Mm-hmm. And so even if the institutions that are over us allow for it, we should not run towards divorce. Mm-hmm. And there are biblical reasons for divorce. We recognize that adultery or if an unbeliever abandons their believing spouse, like we, we understand that we're not going to dive too deep into that or the repercussions of after divorce because there are plenty of debates on both sides. And honestly, I just don't think I understand it well enough to be able to, 
to speak too deeply about it. But what I can say with confidence, based off of God's word, is that divorce is not something that God desires for his people or encourages his people towards. Correct. So there, there have been people who have said, I just feel like God's really telling me. Way to hit your mic there. Wow, I got excited. <laughs> there are people who would say, I feel like God's telling me I need, I need to leave this person. And I would just be so slow, like so, so slow to affirm that because I, I, am, I do not think that Scripture affirms that in any way. I, I think there are reasons where God permits it, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not convinced at this point that God says, I am telling you to actively take steps to leave right. your spouse. Right. Um, so what does God permit? Not sure what you're getting at. Like, give people need some some framework. Like, what if there is abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse? If there's if there's physical abuse, you need to at least be separated. Okay. Yeah, is, separate. Is there provision for divorce? I would say that there's the two reasons that Scripture gives for adultery yeah. and an unbelieving spouse abandoning the other one. Yeah. So when there's abuse, like. You need to take that to your church immediately, immediately. Like, and then, they, like they did it. Who was the guy last year that got Paige Patterson? Oh yeah, yeah, that was terrible. Uh, um, so, you guys can look in the details of that. But anyway, so, keep going. So take it to your take church. it to your church immediately. And what the church hopefully will do mm-hmm. is seek ways for there to be counsel, for their ways to for you guys to work things out. But in, in the meantime. You need to be separated. If there's yeah. physical abuse going on, like yeah. get out of the house. Yep. Do not go back just to get beat up. Yep. That is not something that any church should be recommending towards their people. Yeah, you need. So we would say, I think Scripture teaches. I think clearly that divorce or abuse is not grounds for divorce. However, it's clearly grounds for separation. Yeah, and you can get in the nitty gritty there, but I would say you separate. You deal with that person, work on your marriage, um, do what you need to do to hopefully reconcile. People are in different situations with churches, and sometimes churches have no ability or no desire or experience dealing with that stuff. So you need to get, if you're in that situation, you need to get the help you need. Yeah. And, and, and if your church can give it to you, amazing. Most churches probably can't. Mm-hmm. And so you need to look to some Christian counseling get some people in to help you think about it because you're in an emotional state where you can't think properly about everything. Help you think about it, help you have a place to live and help you function. And then that we can begin to work on it. Never stay living in an abusive relationship. Yeah. And, 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 you know, also, um, don't, don't let your church bully you into staying. Yeah. Like I'm treading lightly, but, seriously there are abusive church leaders as well who will tell you to stay or you need to be submissive and they're that's wrong yeah. you don't stay and get beat up yeah i mean the part of the role with your pastors as you approach them is to protect the vulnerable and i i'm not going to say 100 percent of the time but i would say the majority of the time the vast majority of the time is that the husband is abusing the wife physically Okay, if, it, if there's physical abuse going on, it's not typically the wife abusing the husband, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm definitely not going to say it's never. But what, what the pastor should do is, is create a space for you guys to be separated. And, and look, if you're the believing wife and your husband's doing that, 
make it clear to them, hey, look, I'm not looking for a divorce here, but right. we're going to separate for the time being. And it, maybe you need to tell your pastors to make that clear to him. Maybe you, it's not safe for you to go back there and say something. Right. But to make it clear that you're not pursuing a divorce, but you are separating until this is dealt with. But then something else that should happen in this process is that the authorities should be called. The police should be called. And, and there have been times where that doesn't happen right away, and, and I'm not going to try and, and say that like churches who don't do that are completely wrong, but with me, with if the Lord allows us to plant a church, Rick, I don't, I don't know what your guys' policy would be, but I would imagine that if someone were to approach me, the first step would be to contact the authorities, and the next step would then be to figure out ways to, to separate mm-hmm. in a way that is helpful for yeah. towards reconciliation. Yeah, it, it gets really hard when um, it gets really hard when you start talking about the authorities. Do you call police? Do you not? Do you file charges? Do you not? I would say you can always drop the charges. Like to be just real, I know this is way off, feels way off from simple theology, but you can drop the charges. But if you don't, if you don't begin to proactively um, mitigate the situation, then what usually happens is it's a cycle and they go back into the, the, the abusive situation. Yeah. So that's why I said you, begin, you can begin that process, even though it might feel really bad. Begin it if you decide later, hey, we're going to drop this. We're not worried about it. We we'll just focus on some other things and work on it. And, and, and it can go well. Great. But yeah, it's, it's hard stuff. It's weighty stuff. That's why you need people in your life who can really help you through this. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. All right. So that was very heavy. Rightfully so, but it was very mm-hmm. heavy. Mm-hmm. But something else with marriage that we should be aware of is that it's a picture of the union that Christ has with the church. So we read in Ephesians 5. Uh, starting in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. So what we're seeing is that that union of mm-hmm. a man and a woman that was instituted in Genesis 2 mm-hmm. was a, that right there in Genesis 2 was a shadow of the substance to come of Jesus being united to his church. Yeah. And, and we even see that in later on in Ephesians 5, where, where does it say here? Verse 32. This mystery, he's talking about marriage, this mystery is profound, but I am talking about Christ and the church. To sum up, each one of you is to love his his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. The union of marriage is actually supposed to magnify mm-hmm. God by showing that there are two parties here, one joyfully submitting to the other while the other lays itself down for the bride, as we see in, in Ephesians 5 here, but the entire healthy marriage should reflect that mm. healthy and robust relationship between the church and Jesus. Yeah. So we we could talk about like male and female, the complementarian roles that we affirm, but we, we did an episode on complementarianism. You can check that out. I don't know what episode that is. Complementarianism. Complementarianism. Yeah, I think it, to but, reiterate that, it is, not to reiterate, but just to reaffirm, 
um, people don't view marriage as a picture of the uni- union of the church in Christ. And what that does is it, 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 people treat it more lightly. They treat it as more trivial. And um, then, but we, we don't. We treat it as a, a very serious thing because we look at the example of Christ giving himself for his bride and working to then make her perfect. Yeah. Right? And so, um, not that we are Christ, but husbands laying themselves down for their wives and helping, and even wives laying their own self down, helping their husbands to pursue and love and become more like Christ. Yeah. 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 Complementarian episode we were just referencing, it's episode 14. So you you could check that out. Um, But yeah, husbands, you are to to lead your wives as Christ leads the church and to lay yourself down for your wife. She's not just supposed to just submit to you and be your your servant in any way that you see fit, but you're actually supposed to consider her better than yourself, just as Jesus did with the church. And when all that's taking place, then it's going to be a, a God-glorifying thing. Mm. Preach. Preach. But yeah, and then in Revelation 19.7, we also see, let us be glad, rejoice, and give him glory, because the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has prepared herself. And so that in that Ephesians 5 passage, Christ is trying to present the church to himself in splendor. And then we see in Revelation 19 that now this marriage of the Lamb, it has come. It has arrived, and his bride is prepared. Mm. Amen. Yeah, so wrapping up with that, the weight of Ephesians 5 and talking about the stuff, we want to just kind of head into our head, heart, hands portion. Just what's this mean? So confidence-wise in our head, we know what marriage is. It's this God-ordained covenant relationship between one man and one woman. Monogamous. <laughs> While they're on earth, <laughs> right? And um, we God designed it that way for a reason, for a companionship relationship and pro- for procreation. Um, and so it's a beautiful thing that God has given us. We also know that marriage is meant to symbolize Christ and the church, thus magnifying what Christ has done for the church. And then also in our hearts, our conviction, it it drives us on because we are all created for deep intimacy. And and we find that in marriage, but we also know that only that complete fullness or fulfillment comes in our relationship with Christ. Yeah. Um, We also know we need to guard ourselves because we are prone to wander. We're prone um, to let our eyes wander, let our hearts wander, and instead of losing focus on, one, being a part of the bride of Christ in that work, but also pouring into our spouse and helping them to, be, to love and flourish in Christ. Yeah, no, I mean, no one enters into marriage thinking, you know what, I think I'll, do, I think I'll be faithful for like two years, and then I'm going to commit adultery. You know what I mean? Yeah. No one does. Um... I think okay. A okay. Ninety nine percent of people do not. I don't. I disagree. What would you say the percentage is? I don't want to. Pres- now that we're nitpicking. Yeah, I don't want to. No, I'm not nitpicking. I'm just saying I think a lot of people think they go into marriage knowing that they won't be faithful. Yeah. That they're all like, hey, in two years, I'm gonna find a woman at work, and you know. But I would imagine that is a very, very minor, like less than ten percent of the people who get married go into it on their wedding day thinking eventually I'm going to cheat on this person? Um, I would guarantee that well over 80, oh, probably well over 90% go into their wedding day currently struggling with pornography. That would be fascinating to find out. 
And I'm talking in the church, out of the church, both. Yeah. Like, or, or and we would consider that like being unfaithful yeah, to your wife. And, yeah. And that's the lust of the flesh. They yeah. have uncontrolled lust of the flesh. Mm-hmm. So to say that on their wedding day, a huge part of the population is saying, yeah, I'm already unfaithful to my wife. Yeah. Then, shoot, you, you can't rule anything out at that point. You can't rule anything out at that point. Yeah. Well, the point stands, Rick, before we get too nitpicky here. I'm not being that, nitpicky. I'm just like <laughs> That we need to guard ourselves. Yes. You made a good point. And I was just trying to support you that we do need to guard ourselves because we are extremely prone to wonder. But then, so we covered the head, covered the heart, now the hands. What do we do with this understanding of marriage? We should work for healthy marriages yeah. because those do not come and easily. They take work. Yeah. Marriage is not easy. It's not nearly as easy as I thought it would be. But And I, like Danielle and I have a great marriage, but it's still, there's difficult days. Yeah. And so just know that going in, know that while you're in it, that, that hey, like you need to work on this thing. Um, then also encourage others. And, and I, I want to interrupt you in there. For a thank, thank you for that. No, actually finish this point. Encourage others in their marriage. Yeah, because that's the point. I think, I don't know how to say this without sounding arrogant. Well, Rick, you're an extremely arrogant individual. Leave it to the guys who've been married for a year and a half. As we talk about marriage. I think people who have great wisdom, not necessarily personally, but people speaking in their life, and marry the, like, people. Like, I think my wife is easy to be married to. I don't, I mean, she's my wife. I don't think she's, like, I don't want to say she's the best person ever, but to me, she's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, though, like, her personality, her the way she's she's easy to be married to. So, um, in that sense, there are people who just naturally have easier marriages. Yeah, for sure. Just it's just the way it is. And so I think about people who, like, they love the Lord like we do. They serve the Lord, but it's just a real struggle for them. It's not necessarily that you married the wrong person or you're not as spiritual. Like, well, if you just had this more figured out, you would have a phenomenal marriage, like Robert and Danielle. Um, but the point is, some of them, and, and it's seasonal. I, I totally get that. Hard seasons, easy seasons. However, um, some people it's just harder. It's just more of more of a, a slugfest. They gotta keep fighting and keep working, and, and it takes a lot more energy and focus. And you know what? It's not because you're lesser than. It's just that that's the tool, that's the instrument Christ has for your sanctification. Yeah. And you submit to that. You love Him. That's His grace upon your life. You love your spouse, and you pour into it. And uh, don't compare yourself with other where other people are at in their journey. Never. Um, wait, what's that sound? It's me shocking the crap out of this dog. No. There's poop it everywhere. Vibrating it. Anyway, that's my point. Is is some people just naturally have hard, more difficult marriages, and and that's okay. Don't think like you're terrible because your marriage is hard. Just pour into it, dig into it, and go for it. Yeah, I mean if you. Neville, what oh is gosh. the deal, buddy? What's going on, Tom? I told Robert to take the dog upstairs, but Robert didn't. Yeah, we took him up, and he started barking like crazy. Well, that's why you shock him upstairs. Yeah, right? <laughs> anyway. Anyway, okay, so yeah. consider Romans 12.10. It says, outdo one another in showing love. I mean, it, it it's not going to be like a, a key to having a perfect marriage, but if, if you're entering into your marriage and you're thinking about ways to to how can I outdo my wife in showing her honor? and showing her love. And if the wife's thinking the same thing, how can I outdo my husband? Then, then man, that's going to be a really helpful situation. Um, but then also, as the church, as the body of Christ, we should foster a heart to seek purity 
as yeah. his bride. I mean, mm-hmm. it says in Ephesians 5 that he wants to present us in splendor. And, and if there are ways that I see my brother um, struggling with sin, or if there are ways that I am struggling with sin, I, I need to take that step to, to address my brother. <laughs> I, can't, I can't. I can't even do this. All right. We're just going to pause We're this. We're just going to get divorced from the dog. <laughs> okay. We're wow. back. And uh, Neville's back right, to Christ. Let's just wrap this <laughs> okay. Here's the thing. Yeah, as, do, as the body I'll of Christ, we should be sensitive to sin. Mm. We should be aware of the ways that we ourselves struggle, and we should seek to repent and to grow in godliness because we are the body of Christ. But then also, if we see a brother or sister struggling in that same thing, we should try to approach them in the in the best way possible. I mean, think of Matthew 18, but just do not let sin, a little leaven, mm-hmm. affect the entire batch. So if you see somebody especially somebody that you're walking with, that you're doing life with, maybe it's in your community group or your life group, and and they seem to be openly embracing sin, then mm-hmm. address them because we are the bride of Christ and we should be seeking purity together. Rick, mm. for goodness sake. Cue the music, please. Seriously. Hey, we always love hearing down. from you guys. You know, just Google Simple Theology. You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, find our website. We're on Patreon, audibletrial.com slash simpletheology. You get a free book. We get a kickback. Everyone's happy. Leave us an eye rating on iTunes. Leave us a review. Tell people about the show. We love you. Sidebar, we're up to 22 ratings on iTunes. Thanks, guys. We broke wait, that wait, 22 wait, 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 wait. Wait, glass ceiling. We broke that 20 glass ceiling. No, hold on. This is breaking news. 22 ratings, not right. necessarily reviews. All right. Damn. We'll talk about this time. All right. Slow Bye. your roll. Hey, get us up to 25, guys. Slow my roll. What's that even mean? Peace out. Bye.